Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is time for another episode of the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast uh, here on Jack Wagon Network. Uh, excited to bring this episode to you. As you can see, we're down a man. Uh, our boy Nick popped another kid out. He just can't keep it wrapped up, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> we forgive him. Uh, congratulations on the newest member to the Jack Wagon family. Uh, I know I'm going to say this name wrong, and he's told me the name like 30 times, and I'm going to say Kaysen. Uh, and he's going to text us later and say that was wrong, but it is what it is. Um, welcome to the world, baby Kaysen. Uh, we're happy to have you here. Happy for Nick and Jade. Everything went well. Uh, can't wait to meet the baby. Uh, enough bullshit about that. We don't care. Uh, let's talk some sports. Let's get right into it, Slade. Yeah, like you said, congrats to Nick and Jade. Um, excited to see him back next week, hopefully. Um, first, let's get into NBA review because we had the finals conclude. Um the Warriors won in six. We yep. did our picks at the beginning. Um, you and Nick both had Boston. You had Boston in seven. Nick had them in six. Mm-hmm. I had Golden State. Um, what are your thoughts post-series? Uh, we got to see the parade and everything since then, just everything. What, what's your thoughts on everything that happened in the NBA the last week? Um, on the Warriors' side, I'm going to put it very simply. I think Steph Curry has... He was already like on the edge of the conversation of being one of the best to ever play the game. Um, you know, just from his scoring titles, all that stuff. I think with his now fourth championship, uh, he is firmly cemented in the conversation for, I wouldn't say the greatest of all time, but one of the, the, the greatest basketball players of all time, uh, you know, four championships, uh, just at a ridiculous score. Um, so very happy for that team. I mean, I wasn't rooting against, uh, Golden State, but uh, you know I, I did want to see Boston win. Shit, shit happens. Um, you know, going back to them, the uh, game six, they just didn't show up. They came out the first quarter, they were firing. Looked like they were getting ready to send it back to, to game seven in, in Golden State, um, and they just they didn't show up. Uh, they they packed it in. Jason Tatum had a really really shitty you know game. Turned the ball over a lot. I think he I believe he set the record for most turnovers in an NBA Finals. Um, listen, I've, I've like, listen, that's not, that's not good. And I understand that. I also feel like he's getting a lot of undeserved hate at the same time. Um, this is his first ever finals appearance. And I get like throughout the whole playoffs, he has been shaky. Yes. Um, he's still a young kid in my mind. And is he like, you know, the go-getter, like I would say clay or, or Steph is, or like the, the closer, Probably not, but I, I still don't think we should be writing him off as a terrible overall basketball player. He still helped lead Boston to the finals and got the, the six games when, again, we talked about it multiple times. A lot of people wrote this team off like at the beginning of the season. Uh, they were in last place at one point, I'm pretty sure, down near the bottom. Um, they were able to turn it around, and, and here they are. Uh, if they can keep that core together, and we'll see how it goes over the offseason. Um they, they could be, be become a, you know, what Golden State is. Uh, maybe they needed this loss to kind of experience that. Like, okay, this is what we need to do better. This is where we can improve in some spots, so on. Um, so I'm not writing Boston off for good or anything like that. I, I think losing this might do more good for them than harm. Uh, but I also think we need to chill on Jason Tatum a little bit. Yeah, he sucked. He blew it. At the end of the day, if, in my mind, it's his first ever finals, and that's what I'm going to chalk a lot of it up to. I think the other part of it is he put so much pressure on himself because he wouldn't stop comparing himself to fucking Kobe Bryant. And if you would just shut the shut up, that's all you got to do. 
just shut up and you're fine. Um, but, and then the, the, you, you touched on the Warriors parade really quick. Uh, that was a wild scene to see. I mean, their <laughs> first championship in what, only four years or something. Um, but in a new city. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't even call it a new city. You're literally across the bridge. It's right, right. But, but yeah, it's a different area celebrating it. Yeah. And, but the, the party they had, uh, Clay getting shit faced and tripping across the street, knocking some lady over. He saw somebody posted. So he did that. Uh, he lost one of his championship rings at one point, And like, luckily they found it. And he had some, off on the boat. Yeah. That's, that's, that was the other thing. But it's a wild day for him. Um, but I mean, uh, overall, good for them. I, I can't hate on them. The only thing, the last thing I'll say about uh, the finals, we talked about it just before game six um, that, you know, game six is that's Clay's time. That's when he steps up. Not that he didn't step up, he, he still had a good game, but Curry just like, listen, I'm going out there and I'm finishing this series. And, and that's how it was. And, um, you know, we, we were talking about like, oh, Clay, Clay is going to be the one that, to go out there and, and shut it down. And again, he didn't play terrible. He, he had a, a pretty decent game, but Steph went out there and was like, listen, I'm putting the team on back right now, and, and I'm closing the series out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, like you had said, uh, kind of opposite of what I said, you said you grew up kind of Celtics fan, so you would have really liked to seen them win. Um, we had talked about how both teams were built, not bought. Um, the last two, three years, maybe even the last five years, but the last two, three years specifically, all sports are throwing as much money as they can because it seems as if that is like a guarantee to get you to the final four teams. And then from there, you just have to make sure that you have the right game plan to get your team to the finals. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that one thing that I think that could have changed for Curry is if Curry didn't have the game that he did in game six and clay came out and 40 points, 10 threes, like whatever the deal is. I think that clay would have won MVP just because of his story over the past two yeah. years, two previous injuries, the comeback, everything. Um, Draymond was drunk. He was at a Ghirardelli chocolate place trying to get ice cream or something mid parade. Um, just crazy. It's funny to see because um, they're considered like the older guys in the league now, even though that they're not that old, but compared to the team that they were playing. Um, just a great series. Uh, I think that you had said before that you were just picking the Celtics because they were the team that you like to watch, that you like to root for, but that realistically could go kind of either way. Um, same thing that I had said. I thought that they could kind of go either way, but I was picking Golden State because when I started watching basketball is when they started doing good. So yeah. definitely a bandwagon fan. But um, – yeah, just a great series. Um, I know that, like you said, Tatum, he just had a rough series. I think in the playoffs, he had 100 turnovers is the most ever. Um, but like you said, a lot of pressure on himself. It doesn't need to be like that. Enough people are going to put pressure on him, so he doesn't have to continue to put more pressure on himself. But aside from that, I mean, we have the draft tonight. The biggest thing was um, – seeing who was going to be the number one pick. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, which, it, so this is getting posted Friday morning. Uh, Paulo Blanchero or Banchero, excuse me, uh, goes first overall to the magic. Nick will be happy. I, I, <laughs> not. Listen, I don't hate the pick. 
I don't know if I would have taken him number one overall. Uh, and th- my only reserve behind that is just watching what happened with him in college last year. And obviously, like the Duke scientists, they obviously got something figured out because it was as much of a storyline throughout the rest of the season as it was at the beginning with him cramping, having to leave, lose multiple minutes. Um, it was like eight pounds a game. Yeah. And so if, if that is fixed, by all means, uh, I, I do think it's, it's probably a really good pick. Um, I don't at the end of the day, I don't like one and done guys going like number one overall. Like, um, obviously, Banchero had a really good year. Again, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like everybody gets so caught up in like the Kobe's and the Bronze and how great everybody there was. I feel like we've had so many duds from the one and duns, or not even just that. Like, I mean, you think back to Anthony Davis, like, I'm pretty sure he was one and done. Zion Williamson. Yeah. And, they they come in and they're they're flashy for a year or two and they just like kind of fade off and it's I I don't know that's just my 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 two cents about it. Um, not that did you that was... see the the odds for the number one pick and how it fluctuated over the last twenty four hours? No, I did not. So it's what's his name Jabari? Jabari Parker. Yeah, he was if he was like projected to be the number one pick. It was him, Chet, the guy that went number two to the Thunder, and then uh. Poncho, the guy that uh, went first. Um, so those were like the three. What's his name? Sorry, <laughs> Paulo. Fucking Paulo. <laughs> Poncho. Sorry, I was thinking about something else. Um, but so he. It looks like Jabari Smith went to the Rockets. Um, oh, Jabari Smith, not Jabari. Jabari Parker's already in the league. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. So Jabari Smith was supposed to be the number one pick. He was like minus two thousand odds to get it. And then last night at like 8 p.m., the guy from Duke that ended up going number one overall goes to minus 600, and Smith goes to like plus 250. Like in that time, it had flipped that quick. Yeah. And then this morning, Woj tweets out and says that it's the opposite. Uh, Jabari Smith is supposed to go number one overall, so it goes back to him at minus 900. And then this, <laughs> then like midday, it went back to where they were both at minus 225. It's just crazy to see how 24 hours can change so much. It's like, what are they looking at? What story has changed? Or is it just strictly off of like random sports analysts and journalists talking and like changing the the line there, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like part of it, like, I I mean, with the odds going back and forth, I mean, that's, that has to be like leaks coming out, like almost like Adam Schefter level stuff. Be like, Hey, you know, so-and-so GM just told me like, you know, we're kind of leaning towards him more. As regards to why they're flipping their minds so much, I mean, it's it's got to be like backroom stuff. Like they're doing their last minute due diligence. Oh, hey, something come up. You know, uh, we like this guy more now. Um, guy's got a crazy ex. She might cause yeah. problems for him in the league. Yeah. <laughs> um, just absolutely wild to see. But uh, yeah. So, but I mean, congratulations to him. Uh, we'll see how he does. I mean, I feel like Orlando is a terrible city to go play NBA basketball <laughs> in. But we uh, we shall see. Moving on to our next topic, I think it's been our most exciting playoff so far that we've gotten to talk about, the three of us, um, the NHL. And I think it's just because we've all watched it the, like mm-hmm. the most collectively. Um, so we have the Avs versus the Lightning. The Avs looking to be the up-and-coming team. The Lightning looking to go triple um, three years in a row. Um, you had picked Tampa Bay in seven. Nick picked Colorado in seven. I picked Colorado in six. Right now, the Avs are leading 3-1. It seemed like the Lightning last night, uh, their coach was very disappointed in the overtime call. Um, 
The Avs won 3-2 with a goal in overtime. Lightning coach did not think it was a goal. Or he, he had some disagreement with it because he said he wasn't going to talk about it tonight, that he was going to talk about it today, and he would be available for questioning today. I haven't seen anything on it yet, but what are your thoughts on how the series has gone so far with it being 3-1 Avs? Game 5 is Friday night, um, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts so far? Uh, just real quick, back to the John Cooper thing. Shut the fuck up. Like, I, I understand. Coach. Yeah, I understand. Listen, yes, at that point, there was six men on the ice. It wasn't deliberate. They, they, were, they weren't down there all skating. Literally, they were making a change when, when the turnover happened. Um, it, and it, just the way he, he carried himself in that interview, like, you know, I'm really disappointed. Buddy, it was happening behind the plate. Kadri was gone. There was nothing going on there. If your guys were focusing on that fifth and sixth man, like getting on and off, that should have been either just one player's, like a defenseman or whatever. That's the reason they gave the score up, but that's where they're focusing. Exactly, yeah. Um, also, wild shot. It, it kind of reminded me of, I want to say it was 2012 in the finals uh, when uh, Patrick Kane buried the, uh, the winner uh, for the series over the Flyers, and nobody knew it went in for like, two minutes and like where's the puck and sure enough it's in the net it was weird that like i mean you watch it first time you watch it there you're like oh where's the puck the second time you see it gets stuck in the top post it's like oh okay um but as far as how the series has gone so far um game one uh wasn't really surprising to me um was it uh, yeah game one was was a little bit more back and forth uh but colorado had control the whole time game two absolutely blew my mind uh, seven nothing. Um, just the the Vasilevsky shitting the bed that bad was beyond surprising to me. I mean, we talked about it before the series started. I thought he was going to be the edge and and why Tampa Bay won. Um, and you know, granted, they and I I kind of called this a little bit in our group text. We talked about how the series was shifting back. I was like, listen, if you think back to the Rangers series, game one and two, Tampa Bay got throttled. Uh, game two, they kind of woke up a little bit, but nonetheless, it was New York series to lose at that point. They go back to Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay just flipped the switch and, and they were gone. Um, game three, they did that. They flipped the switch. They absolutely pounded uh, Colorado against the boards. Um, after the first period, you know, you, Colorado didn't have a, a chance in that game. Um, and then you go to game four. Uh, again, Tampa Bay for the most part, it looked like they were in control of that game. They were, they were getting ready to send it back. Uh, you know, the series tied to uh, Colorado. And then, like, mid-second period, Colorado just all of a sudden just flipped the switch on them. They came out. I believe they scored two goals in the third period. I know they scored re- – I can't remember the exact scoring sequences now. Um, but overall, just – I don't know. I feel like the way the team is now carrying themselves and with Cooper's comments, it might end in, in five now. Uh, and Colorado is going back home. They have all the leverage. Uh, they're going to be playing in front of that ridiculous crowd. Um, it's going to be very hard to beat them at home to extend this to a six game, uh, let alone to, to seven games at that point. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying Tampa Bay can't do it. They, they've proven time and again that they are not to be counted out. But um, I don't know, for me, it's, it's very hard to believe they can win three games in a row against this team right now. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the way you had said that they started out strong, I mean, they went back-to-back overtime games. They won against the Oilers in overtime, and then they opened the series against the Lightning in overtime with a win. Um, I just look back, and in the playoffs so far, they've gone five overtime games, the Avalanche, which is crazy to think because they've been quite a powerhouse, and we've seen them just light up the scoreboard. Yeah. But um, they've won three of those five. They've only lost one in overtime, one in a shootout, and uh, – it's just crazy to see how um, productive that they're able to, to be with McKinnon and I can't pronounce the L last name. Landeskog? Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's the other guy, McCarr? Kale McCarr, yep. Yeah, and uh, like the three of them, I basically I put for them to score over half a point every single game because yeah. – just. but, yeah, it's just crazy to see. I, I think that I picked the Avs in six, but like you said – I don't think that it's crazy to think that the Avs get this done in five at home. Mm-hmm. I think either way, it's kind of a disappointment uh, for the Lightning because, like we said, I mean, they, they got it done, this, seat, this playoffs, and they, they really went through and had to fight for every single game to get here. And to see them in that game, too, give up seven goals is just just tough. And... They were able to rebound and get back, and they won 6-2 in game three. What's wrong? <laughs> so I'm scrolling ESPN. No, no, no. Uh, I'm, scrolling, I'm scrolling ESPN right now because I wanted. I was going to talk about Miko Rantanen real quick uh, just because I've, I've always been a fan of him, uh, but I feel like he hasn't gotten like a ton of attention uh, in, in the playoffs this year. Everything has been on um, McKinnon making these ridiculous plays, uh, Landis Cog's ability you know, in front of the net, and McCarr just – having an outstanding rookie year. Um, but for me, like Ranton has, has been like the, the unsung hero of, of this team. Basically. I, I think he, yeah, he led the team in goals this year and points, um, you know, overall in the season, but I was, so I'm scrolling down and you get to the bottom where it says like, Oh, if, if you want to go to the game, here's what tickets are right now. <laughs> the, it says tickets as, as low as 1145. Which yeah, I was granted could be a lot higher, but that uh, that's just yeah. I that just made me chuckle. I was like, holy shit! Uh, like I, I thought back to, and obviously it's different between like a clinching game and like a, a game at the start of the series. Yeah. And Pittsburgh was in their second straight Stanley Cup. Uh, I wanted to go to Game One, and the most expensive or the cheapest ticket was like one fifty, and I was like, I should go, and then I chickened down and didn't go. But that's just <laughs> that just made me chuckle, but. Can you imagine how expensive it would be if this series was happening in the Abs new uh, arena that they're planning to build on that like sixty acres of land yeah. or whatever I had told you guys about? That was um, coyote. That's Coyotes. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I think that either way, I think that the Abs are going to get this done. Whether they get it done at home here while um, Lightning are still whining about this past game instead of forgetting about it, or if they do it in Tampa Bay, which will just be defeating for Tampa Bay for the yeah. playoffs that they've had. I mean, they've had a crazy season here, and they've done really good just for the part of the season that I've watched. Um, yeah. But, yeah, do you have anything else on the abs? Do you think that they get it done in five or six, or are you sticking with Tampa Bay in seven? Obviously, you said it'd be hard for them to win three straight games. Yeah. But like, if I'm, you had I'm not money on four, uh, five, six, or seven, which – which area do you think is the sweet spot that gets it done that gets you your money back? I think I think it ends in five, honestly. But I don't want to change my pick necessarily. Cause while yeah, like I I I I stated that I think Tampa Bay and I 
the reasons I gave, I I believe at the same time in the back of my mind, I kind of picked them because I, every team I pick fucking loses. So <laughs> I'm kind of hoping if I, since I picked them that they don't now lose. So I'm not changing that pick, but if I had to put money on it, I, w- I think I would take the Avs on five at this point. I think they're just going to get in front of that home crowd tomorrow night, absolutely feed off that energy. They want to win the cup in front of their fans. I think they want to do that more than anything. And I, I think they're just going to, if they don't get too caught up in, in the moment in the first period and they, they kind of understand that their assignment, you know, for the first two periods, I think we see almost a repeat. I wouldn't, I'm not going to go as high as saying it, it's going to be seven, nothing. Um, but I could definitely see them, you know, three goal lead maybe. And then I would don't coast. Cause again, you can't let the door open at all for Tampa Bay. Um, but I, I think if they, I think they're going to jump out to a three goal lead in the first two periods. Um, and then just kind of control everything from there. Um, not be super aggressive, just kind of like sit back and, and let Tampa Bay come to them and just play defense for the most part. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go no. For it. no, 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 no. Who are you going to take? I, I was just going to say, I'm, five. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking Colorado five. So I'm going to stick with six only because of the way that the lightning were able to respond for game three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's going to be the end of the second period and the Lightning are going to be up like 4-1 and the Avs are going to be smart about it and they're going to limit the play of their big guys and make sure that they're ready to go for game six to, to get this done. Um, moving on to our next topic, we're moving into golf. Um, golf has been so much more exciting. I mean, it would have <laughs> been exciting without Liv competing, yeah. but it's just crazy to see what this has, I mean, we yeah. didn't think that it was going to really change much, but yeah. just in the last lines, few days, yeah. just in the last few days, I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Did you see the video with Scotty Scheffler talking about Brooks Kepka? Uh, I've not seen that video now. Okay. So I'll talk about that then. But uh, the U.S. Open was a thriller. We had Zell Torres with another heartbreaking loss, um, this time to Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, Kepka made his announcement he's going to live golf which I just found out does not stand for anything other than the Roman numeral 54, which is the amount of holes that they play. <laughs> um, and the PGA announced some changes um, due to, like we had said, some of the competition that they have received with Liv. Um, what are your thoughts on these three big things and just anything, uh, maybe the Travelers Cup this weekend, everything? Yeah, uh, back Championship, to... Not cups, yeah. Back to the U.S. Open, that was an absolutely insane tournament. I watched most of it on Saturday and everything on Sunday. Um, first of all, huge win for Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick. It was three weeks ago we were just talking about how he blew the 18th hole to, to lose the PGA Championship. Um, and we talked about how resilient he was for the next week coming out. He was you know had to share the lead after the first day. Um, really showed that re- resiliency um, you know, here weathering the storm all day Sunday. Uh, I think he dropped two shots early. Um, Scheffler's in the lead. All of a sudden, Zalatoris goes and passes him. Uh, and he just kept his head down and just, you know, played a really smart game. And then they had the 18, and his shot goes right into the bunker. And I, I texted both of you guys. like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. Like, he's, is he going to fall apart? And the next shot, he knocks it within 10 feet of the freaking pin. I was like, you got to be shitting me. He knows he can two putts and he uses the two putts. Um, but again, I'm a huge fan of Zalatoris. So I felt really, really bad um, that he has to come up short in another major. 
Um, but seeing how close he is and knowing how good of a golfer he is, it, it's a matter of time. Uh, and it, it's going to be – he might even win the Open. Who knows? I, I just – I think that highly of him. And he is – I mean, he comes to play in the majors. Uh, it's weird. Whenever he's in, like, the regular tournaments, he'll, like, struggle to make the cut and stuff. He shows up to the Masters, the PGA. doesn't matter where it is. And you, you better put some money on him to finish in the top five because he's going to, you know, provide results. Um, but his day is coming. But overall, just the whole weekend at the U.S. Open, uh, the ebb and flow of the entire field. We went in this Saturday morning with four guys on top of the leaderboard, and I think only two of them finished in the top ten. Um, <laughs> just that was oh, rough yeah. weekend. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's what the U.S. Open is. It, it's supposed to be a grueling grind throughout the whole weekend on a – extremely difficult course we talked they talked so much about how thick the rough was and everything how uneven the fairways were uh, a lot of blind shots um just i mean it brings it you, you got to show up and bring out the best in your game or you're not even going to make the cut um but overall loved everything about that tournament that was so much fun to see um as far as the live golf stuff uh with kepka going there i don't think anybody was surprised uh, I think just the biggest thing is just how much he had been denying it here lately. Uh, he's like, oh, nope, I'm not going. I'm saying the PGA. Uh, the commissioner of the PGA Tour was at his wedding like two weeks ago. Um, and so, but <laughs> at the end of the, like, Kepka's brother went. And you had to know, I mean, we briefly touched on it, like, oh, maybe he's just testing it out, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like they, they probably knew um, – the, the brothers, I mean, that, listen, you, you can't save a pound by, by cutting off a finger. Like, you need to – sooner or later, he was going to go. Um, and I, I briefly touched on this last week. I have yet to be impressed by any signings. And, and I don't mean that to, to attack Liv. I understand that they're, they're just trying to get what they can right now. Um, I, I, in their minds, I do believe that they're trying to provide a, a great alternative product. And I don't blame them for that. Like, like we said, the only issue I have is just the money backing. That, that is what it is. We're not going to get into that. Um, but sooner or later, they, they need to sign a big name. Like Kepka is a decently big name. The DJ was a big name. But again, these are all guys that in my mind are, you know, injured past their prime or just like on a decline. Um, DJ was still competing at majors, but he hasn't won anything. Like in, in my mind, like... So, uh, like you're saying, Kepka was the 18th in the world, and Taylor Goosh was 20th. Those are the highest people that they've signed. The rest of them were way lower. Obviously, those are outliers to the numbers that they had signed, but back to right. what you're saying. Yeah, um, and, and we're going to have to see here. Now, what the PGA did made a lot of sense. Now, they said that they've been talking about it, all this other stuff. Obviously, what, what Liv is doing made them put that talk into action. Uh, good for them. Uh, I mean, we knew that they had money just sitting and, and, and rotting, basically, or the, the tour was spending on God knows what. Um, so they're doing eight tournaments now, including the players. Uh, they bumped all of those purses up. Good to see. Um, you, sooner or later, you're going to have to start paying these golfers more. And I mean, we said it. And the, some of the things I hoped that Live Golf would influence is, hey, let's pay these guys some more. Um I do really like that they, they're going back to the original calendar format where it's not like year round and it just resets after like three weeks off. Um, it's January through August 
and then you're gonna have a couple of tournaments in September and throughout the fall and stuff. You get off time, and then the season restarts. Um, so I, I am excited to see that. I I think that'll work out a lot better. It'll give these guys more off time. Uh, and now, as soon as you're inside the top fifty, I believe you qualify for these special tournaments in the fall, where you can go win even more money, which is gonna be really cool to see. Um, but I think it's a good answer to live. A lot of the live guys are like, oh, you can thank me. It's like, oh, just shut the fuck up. Like, I said it last week. I'll say it again. The PGA Tour needs to sh- stop talking. And, and they finally did some action. That's great. But every press release doesn't need to be about live. Every interview, and I, I get that's what the media wants to talk about and everything. And just Colin Morikawa and John Rahm had great interviews right before the U.S. Open started about their thoughts on live. Um, spoke they're like, listen, we don't hate the guys. We understand why they did it. At the end of the day, this is why I want to play. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that decision. And I wish those guys all the best. That's all you got to say. You don't got to sit there. Like, like I love Rory, but you don't have to sit there and throw dirt on them every five seconds. Like, Oh, my name's on this super cool trophy. They can't do that. Buddy. We get it. We, we understand. Shut up and move on. Okay. And that's just my biggest thing. And, and I get like now Liv has to has to respond a little bit and that's fine. But at the end of the day, I just want to sit down and enjoy golf. And I don't want every five seconds to be about the live tour and, and all this other stuff. Um, but I am super excited to see where the PGA tour heads from here and what other changes, you know, they can make. Um, yeah, I mean, they did the big ones that I wanted to see. Hey, let's do a couple more marquee events, stuff like that outside of the majors. Let's pay some more. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with it so far. Uh, the last thing, actually, no, that's everything. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's your turn now. <laughs> um, so like you had said, the U.S. Open was a thriller. Um, heartbreak for Zalatoris. I mean, he's a class act guy just based on what they said after. Mm-hmm. He went up to Zalatoris' dad and mom and said that um, he's yeah. – he, No, no, no. Zalatoris went up to Patrick's – yeah, but or you to, said it's Patrick. You, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you said he went to Zalatoris is that. I was like, no, he oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> he went up to yeah. um yeah. And he, he went up after he lost and he told his parents uh that he's been in this position before and that if he had to lose to anyone, that he was he was glad he lost to Fitzpatrick just because of the guy that he is. Um just class act almost kind of gave me uh vibes of the what was the dude that lost um, to JT? He was up by like four strokes and then just blew it on. Um, it was JT and Zalatoris in the playoff, but what was the guy, Mito? Yeah. Mito, that he was just a class act and did all the interviews after a heartbreaking loss and everything. Um, I don't know why I was just, but yeah, I, I, I messed it up. But yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Talk about Kepka. Kepka was the biggest surprise to me because last week at the open all he kept saying every time they brought up live golf he said look you guys are the only one talking about live golf i don't want to talk about that you're taught you're taking away from the open this is the tournament we're at we're here to play golf at the open it's a historic it's a historic tournament like historic place we're at like why do you guys want to keep bringing this up and even though he did switch boats i think what he said is completely true. I think that if PGA, PGA really wants to beat this this other league, they need to just fucking do it with their play, with their viewership. Yeah. Stop, with their stop new acknowledging prize pools, it. Their changes. 
Yeah. It should not be every fucking Thursday or Wednesday during the practice round that they mm-hmm. have 45 minutes of every person talk about why they don't want to go to live. Yeah. Like, like uh, I mean, just for, if you think about it, like every, every other year we get a new spring football league and it, mm-hmm. they don't expressly say like live golf has PGA that, Oh, we're out here to compete with the NFL and take like, there's, there's a reason they do it in the NFL's off season. But at the same time, the NFL just doesn't acknowledge it. Whether it's competition or not, just ignore it. Listen, take take what they're doing, and hey, okay, let's let's do a couple of these events. Let's let's raise our purses, whatever. Let's try to keep some guys in house. Obviously, I get that. Like I said, these are not the same situation, but just ignore it. Like the best thing See, you can PGA do right now. PGA is scared. I and I and agree. They're showing, but they're they sh- don't have a right to be. They they I have know. the history of everything. Just you raise your purses. They have done a few great steps here. And I think everything right now that they have just done will help the game of golf. And that's what Liv set out to do is, hey, let's let's change the game. Let's in, let's improve it. Just stop talking to each other. That's all you got to do. And there's all this talk about Liv, talk, Liv buying out the DP World Tour so that way they can, you know, qualify for all these other tournaments. But just stop talking about each other just for five minutes. Like, I just want to go one week and just enjoy golf. And watch the tournament and not get an update on my phone every week. Oh, so and so went to live, or so and so is talking about live. I don't care. It's just I don't care anymore. Like at this point, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. You know, the, the wheels are set in motion, but like you just stop talking about it. That's my biggest thing. I'm just tired of everybody talking about it. I think that Kepka, as much as I think he's like, I think that the part I like about him is that he just on national television is like, I really only practice for the majors. Like I yeah. just show up on Thursday or Wednesday, do the practice round. And then I play the tournament. Like I'm not practicing for two weeks for mm-hmm. the travelers championship or whatever, the whatever tournament, random tournament, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, the Valero, whatever. And um, I think that that's what kind of made me like him is that like, he was basically a weekend player, but he was doing it for fucking millions of dollars every weekend. Yeah. Um, but aside, yeah, I, I don't know if I really like that. Like he had the fucking PGA commissioner or whoever at his fucking wedding. <laughs> then like, uh, I, I just think that it's kind of like and and the fact that he was so good at lying. Yeah. Just to uh, yeah, yeah. the open, like well, yeah, what uh, he rightfully, did was rightfully yeah. he doesn't like that was the only way he could get away from it. It's just like, yeah. look, we're here for this tournament. I'm not here to talk about that shit because at that point he had to have already signed that fucking contract. Oh yeah. What, and, uh, what he did was, was shady, no doubt. And like right. I said, listen, we knew it was coming. I just, I, I hate when, and I understand you need to deny it to a certain extent. What he said at the open was great. Hey, let's, I don't want to talk about this. I'm, I, we're here. You're taking away from this tournament. I, I think he really meant when he said that. It's like, listen, this oh, is yeah. a great tournament. Let's not ruin it by just talking about this nonstop. There's, there's a lot of stuff happening in the field. Can we focus on that? I, I honest in my I really believe that he meant that. Now, was it probably part of a diversion? Yeah, probably. But I would have rather he just dodged the questions all along than lie. But and like you said, and I brought it up earlier, don't bring the PJ commissioners to your fucking wedding. And then two weeks later, uh, also you know, things we, could have changed like that, you know? Who and, fucking and, knows? Yeah. And you know, yeah, maybe they walked up to him, you know, Wednesday night, right before the US Open. They're like, okay, listen. Here's four hundred million dollars. Like I, I, I really hope it's not that much because I mean, they said he should have asked for one dollar more than Bryson DeChambeau got. <laughs> That's, I saw, I saw so many tweets about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just 
and I uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, I hope personally that that's the highest person that they're able to sway to the live tour, just because I, I I really like watching the PGA, and it would suck to watch them pick up every other player on the ranked list, and mm-hmm. it just be two leagues of like equally difficult tournaments, basically. Um, it Scotty Scheffler just yesterday had a long conversation on it and said that basically there's been a group of like four or five guys in the PGA that have been in talks every single day with the commissioner and everyone that has to do with PGA higher ups. Mm-hmm. And it's been, he, he had hinted that it was him, Rory Scott and uh, Brooks Kepka, And that there was a couple other guys that have been in these meetings. Mm-hmm. And so he had said that like, obviously Brooks made this decision for him. Scotty's not going to like hate on him. Like he's not going to think of him differently. Same thing that Justin Thomas had basically said, which I'm assuming is probably one of the other guys that was a part of this group of people. Yeah. But um, he basically said that the reason why he is not going to make a switch like that is because he has done so many accomplishments that he never thought that he would have gotten this mm-hmm. just this year. And no amount of money. I mean, he's the highest paid in one season. And the season's not even over yet. He already accomplished that. Um, he had said that he just he he just can't see any amount of money changing the accomplishments that he wants to accomplish. Like he's here for the sport, not for the lifestyle that it's going to give him outside of golf. Like he's a hundred percent into golf. I think it's the same with Rory. I think it's the same with Justin Thomas. I think that there is definitely going to be guys that that flip. I mean, Dustin Johnson is the biggest like. His comment makes so much sense as to why he went to live golf. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be able, he doesn't care about golf anymore. Like that's what he originally got into things for, but he wants to be able to play golf for a lot of money, but he wants to be able to play it less a year. He wants yeah. to be able to spend time at home. Like as these guys are getting older, they want to have kids. They want to have a family. Like Dustin Johnson just got married. He's I'm sure he wants a family. He wants to be able to not be gone for 40 weeks out of the year. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's literally i mean you touched on it with, with brooks that's literally brooks's life already like hey i'll yeah. show up to a couple of tournaments but i'm i really only care about the majors and i just want to win money like that's it and that's that's everybody knew like okay this this is brooks kepka mm-hmm. and um so like i said it's not surprising to see him leave um so last thing i'll say about live the only two guys left that i would like not necessarily worried but like i think that are high up that will flip over to live um, Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley, like two names that I've a seen talked about a lot and B kind of makes sense to me. Um, Xander, I think more so than Victor, I think Victor's just having a rough year. I don't know if that'll influence him anymore, um, to want to jump ship or what. Um, but for me, and I, I, I don't know Xander a lot. I mean, obviously not personally, but, um, you know, what, what, where his priorities are, anything like that. Uh, you know, maybe he's like, listen, I'm going to go over there make a bunch of money and, you know, I can actually compete at these tournaments and win. Um, but those are the two like high up names left. Like just thinking off the top of my head that I think they're I, I, not, not to say that I think they're, they're going to leave, but I probably wouldn't be surprised if they leave. Um, Have we seen anything on Ricky Fowler? Cause I think last week we had mentioned he's playing in the tournament. Like- yeah. There was, I mean, we, there was yeah. rumors, but but I haven't seen anything officially that I mean yeah, the, I think for him money wise, if that's what he's looking for, life like lifelong, like 
just based on where his career is at at this moment. Yeah. I think it would make sense for him to make the turn. But I think if he is that competitive person like Scotty Scheffler, like Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, all of those guys, I think that it's smarter for him to stay PGA. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. Uh, but like you said, I think he's split 50-50 on it. Or if he is being asked to come or whatever, we obviously don't know. Um, but like you said, hey, let's go over here and make a lot of money, which granted, he makes a shit ton of money from all of his sponsorships and stuff. Um, he's sponsored by a bunch of mortgage companies. Yeah, that and I think Puma and, and all this other yeah. stuff. But um, like you said, maybe it's like he this year, it was a big thing about him making his his comeback tour and, and everything. He's He wants, uh, obviously, I don't think he's going to get back to top five in the world ever, but he wants to get back to, hey, let's consistently make cuts. Let's challenge for a few few wins, whatever. Um, and so, I mean, that just comes down to him. Where, where do your priorities lie? Do you want to? you know, keep pushing this comeback and, hey, let's keep going out there and competing against the certified best in the world. Or do you want to go over here, make a bunch of money and, you know, compete here and there and you know, get get to retire comf- comfortably? Again, I wouldn't, I, probably another name, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he left. Uh, well, I guess the other two were just higher up on the, the golf right. rankings or whatever. Um, but yeah. Moving on to our next topic, I think that this is, Super surprising just based on what I've been following with social media recently. I mean, for the last couple months, um, Archie Manning has been the number one prospect to that everyone's looking at to see what college he's going to. Mm-hmm. Not only because of his pure athletic power that he's been able to show on the field, um, but also because of his powerhouse of a fucking family. Um, he's just destined for greatness if he keeps his out of like bad publicity, you know, like doesn't fuck up. And so, I mean, he has a girlfriend. She had, like, made jokes on TikTok and was like, oh, he signed with Old Miss. Like, Lane Kiffin got him. Like, he's, like, hotty toddy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but like, the two realistic things that everyone has been tracking is whether he was going to go to Tennessee or Georgia. Those were yeah. the two top that I've seen. And so, to me, it was very surprising that he went with the third choice that it seemed as if wasn't as high up as those two. And he signs with Texas. Um, I think that this could be what Texas needed to turn their system around. Um, but that's just like a, a way too early prediction, obviously, because yeah. he's is he in eleventh grade, or is he? Yeah, I think he, he's going into his yeah. now. Yeah. So think, what are I'm your right, thoughts? Right. What are your thoughts on him? Um, did you think that that was a possibility of him going there? Um, did you think he was going to go to one of his uncle's alma maters or his dad's? What, what did you think? Um, yeah. Um, it, it, I was kind of surprised at first, but then it started to make sense to me. Um, listen, at, either at the end of this year or in two or, th- or yeah, this year or two or three years, Texas is going to the SEC. It is, it is already established. So he will get, that competitive, you know, field. Um, in Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma. Um, at the end of the day, as long as Steve Sarkeesian is the head coach of Texas, I have zero faith in them. <laughs> um, and I, I said this last year when he got hired there, this is a stupid hire. Uh, the way they fired Tom Herman, listen, I understand he wasn't really getting the job done, but he was doing a lot better than the coaches they had before him. Um, in my mind, He's a great recruiter. We, we've seen so many coaches go out there and be great recruiters and, and sign all these five-star classes and everything. 
that aren't able to get it done on the field. I mean, you think of Brian Kelly, you think of Mario Cristobal at Oregon, uh, you know, he signed all these great recruits. We would have really decent seasons, but we just couldn't get over the help for whatever reason. Um, you know, Ryan Day is another name that comes to mind. Um, you know, listen, I was very harsh on Ryan Day. And when we get to our college football season previews, we'll talk about it more. Um, but he's a really good recruiter. And, you know, there's tons of good recruiters out there that aren't good or as good on the football field, I should say. Um, there, there is only one Nick Saban out there. There's only one Kirby Smart out there that can go out there and recruit these big names. Apparently and it, Jimbo Fisher. I, well, again, and when he was at Florida State, I and I understand he had to you know, basically rebrand Texas A&M, and now he's bringing them up. We'll see where that goes. Who knows? Um, but I, I have zero faith in Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, he has never been a good head coach. He has never done anything of note. Um I think he jumped Nick Saban's ship way too early to head over to Texas. Um, with others, I, I mean, I wish them the best. I, I hope they're good. Um, but I think where they're at as a program now, yeah, they got Quinn Ewers in, but he's unproven. He's Yeah, he was a huge high school name. And then he went to Ohio State and was a backup to C.J. Stroud. So there already, in my mind, okay, you, you got the second best quarterback out of that deal. Like, that's, that's how I'm thinking of that. Like, all right, whatever. Uh, we'll see how he does in Texas. But like I said, either one, two, or three years, Texas is going to go to the SEC. It's not going to be a, a, a cakewalk schedule. And even now, they can't even beat goddamn Kansas. Um, and now you're going to go over there, you're going to play Alabama, Arkansas, like, however they end up doing their schedule. Um, I don't know. They, they have a very tough road ahead, and they need to prove a lot to me. Maybe Archie Manning goes in there and he saves that program. Who knows? Um, in, in that sense, I think it was a really dumb decision. I would have rather gone to a program that's like right on the cusp that you could have taken over the edge, Ole like Miss. an Ole Miss, like a Tennessee, something like that, if, if you won the SEC competition. Obviously, there's other programs throughout the whole country that you know fit that bill as well. I just think Texas needs way too much work, and they need a new head coach. Like I, Until Steve Sarkeesian proves otherwise, if, if he wins 10 games this year, I'll lay off of him. I, I don't I just don't I don't see a lot in him and I don't I don't trust him as a head coach so I don't have faith in it. Yeah, so the unfortunate thing is is he didn't sign with Penn State. Uh, <laughs> but you Penn know Penn State didn't I need think, him. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah, Sean Clifford. Okay, listen. Let's go. Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Well, first yeah. of all, fuck Sean Clifford. If he's right. your starter this year and says Nick's not here, I can get riled up about this and he can suck a dick. Oh no, he pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. No, he's gonna start because he came back for a sixth year. So they will not not start this dude. Oh, then they're they're not so not going to win the fucking Big Ten. So right because they had like the number they had like the number they had like the number three quarterback signed a couple years ago that's going to be coming into the like he's mm-hmm. going to be a freshman this year. Um, but yeah, so I think that to go off of your point, Steve Sarkeesian, he is not going to get fired now. He signed oh, the no. number one fucking quarterback. Like he's going to be there for for. Five six years. It it will take an. He'll be there. Like an, oh, uh, sorry, years. sorry, not five six years. He'll he'll be there for three or four years, however long Archmany is there, because that's who signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to know how much the NIL deal is that he got. Yeah, because Texas has money. Yeah, and that if it probably came down name, to it, yeah, if it came down to it, I'm sure it was three envelopes on the table, whether it be Georgia whatever the other two schools you want to name is. And then there was Texas. 
And then that, that envelope was just a little bit thicker. And it's like, listen, their program is here, but their money takes the deal here. And I, I guarantee that like, if, if you were taking money off the table, he's not going to Texas. He doesn't give a shit about Texas. Yeah. I think that. Um, but the, Hey, at the end of the day, go get your money. I don't care. I mean, that it, until they fix this, go, go get paid. I, it is what it so, is. So but. a lot of people are upset that just based on what I saw with ESPN today and stuff, a lot of people are upset that they thought that he should have went, that this was like a miss by Nick Saban, that he was unable to sign Archmany. I think that that's crazy because yeah. Nick Saban doesn't produce quarterbacks. Well, I not mean, even that. He's produced uh, Jalen Hurts, yeah. Tua Tagovailoa. Neither of them are these superstars or are looking to be superstars at any sort of point. They got drafted in the league. But if you think about Arch Manning, this is a fucking business. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this isn't this isn't a kid out of Florida or Missouri or anywhere that this is the first kid in their family to go to college. This mm-hmm. is the first kid to do like this isn't a first for any of this. This kid, his family has over a hundred million dollars, well over that, like combined between all of his brothers and stuff like that. Like they've looked at this from a business from the stamp start. I'm sure that Texas, like you said, not being one of the top programs played a big part also because if he's able to turn them around, like you said, everyone already knows that Steve Arcasian is not the coach for that. Mm-hmm. So if if they're able to get to the playoffs or even up there in the SEC to where they're beating Alabama and Auburn, uh, Georgia, I think that that shows so much more than him even winning a national title. Yeah. Um, and – the transfer portal helps so much with whatever school anyone goes to now. Mm-hmm. I think that Lane Kiffin is going to prove this the most in that he has pulled so many kids out of the transfer portal. He's mm-hmm. picking them up at the airport in his Rolls Royce. Yeah. Like he's being their chauffeur. He's like, they're taking videos of him being their Uber driver back to the school. Like and they're just, he's just doing whatever it takes to get these kids to their school. Yeah. And I think that, now that Arch Manning signed there, he's got a whole other year of high school. Um, that gives Texas a year to get a lot of transfer people in there. Anyone, like, they need to get a line. They need to get a lineman in there. They need to get just one receiver more than what they have right now, like a high recruit. Mm-hmm. Because if they get someone in there that's highly recruited and they start double covering them, almost like if you look at, like, the Steelers or, like, when Antonio Brown was playing with the Steelers and they were double covering him. Juju Smith-Schuster is the one that's, like, playing the high level then. Yeah. They just need one big person and a line to, to cover him, like, to keep him safe because hopefully his NIL deal, was good, NIL deal was good because that's also something scary that could happen. I mean, his dad is Arch Manning, the one brother that wasn't able to play in the NFL, right? He didn't even play in college, yeah. Yeah, he got hurt, right? Yeah, I think he got hurt in high school, but yeah. yeah. Um. Real, just the last thing to touch on this, back to the Nick Saban thing real quick. First of all, I've said it for years, back before, like, as the Alabama was becoming the big power as they are, they've never had a good quarterback come out of there. No. Like, back when they ran the, the, the old school running down your throat offense, every quarterback that got drafted out of there wasn't good in the NFL. And obviously, like, those QBs have taken a step because now you have starters in the NFL. But at the end of the day, Nick, Nick Saban probably wanted Archie Manning. And he could have used them, but he's not hurting. He's not hurting for QBs. There's 20 other five-star QBs standing outside, lined up to be, oh, I'll come play for you, Nick. Don't worry, buddy. 
And he doesn't even need a five-star recruit. His yeah. receivers that he's getting there are so good that if you can't hit the dude that's got a 10-yard stride on the defender, yeah. that's your problem. Same with handing the ball off to the number one receiver or running back in high school. Like yeah. um, so I mean, I don't I don't consider it a miss by Nick Saban. Would he have loved to have him there? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, okay, I didn't get him. Let's go back could to you the imagine. Chapter. Could you imagine how much everyone would be complaining though had he oh, yeah. signed him? Yeah. Like this is oh, fucking so rigged. <laughs> oh, especially after all that the Texas A&M turmoil that's going on oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, here you go. How much money are you giving him to come there? Uh, all that stuff. But I really yeah. would like to know his NIL deal though. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure that the day he he graduates high school, we're gonna hear what that deal is and, and how much it's worth. I hope. Um, anything more on Arch Manning? No, I'll, I'll save it for the college football preview just so I can talk Sounds shit good. on uh, Steve Sarkeesian a little more. Yeah. Um. So our fifth topic for today is kind of our final before the top five. Um, We were off this past weekend for Father's Day. They don't race NASCAR on Father's Day. They only do it on Mother's Which Day. It's bullshit. Weird, but, yeah, kind of weird. Gr- growing up as a kid, my favorite I thing. I would think that the mom would want a nice Mother's Day breakfast and that the father would want to watch their kid race. But yeah. for some reason, like, they do the fucking complete opposite. <laughs> growing up, I loved it. And I, I think it was a tradition even before you and I were born. NASCAR raced at Michigan on Father's Day. Like that was their Father's Day tradition. And then I remember we were in like middle school and it, they started racing at Sonoma on Father's Day. And back then, like I hated road courses. Like this is stupid. Like now I would have loved to have a road course. And I get yeah. they like they needed the off week in between the NBC and Fox coverage and like the drivers need a week off. I get that. I understand. Don't make it Father's Day. Make it this weekend. And then when you come back, it's Fourth of July. And then you go back to fucking Daytona and you have the firecracker 400 at Daytona where it belongs. You're not. I don't hate Nashville. I love that. And, and, and granted, we're not racing on Fourth of July weekend this year. And I think Road America is a great choice for them to race on Fourth of July weekend. That crowd last year was awesome. If they pack this race up next year and move it to Chicago, I'm going to be pissed because that is the dumbest shit ever. Uh, road course? The, the street course. About. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to do that, fine. Don't take the date from Road America. Road America does not deserve to lose it. Don't do that. Um, but, I mean, for, for me, like, I love when NASCAR has traditions, and there are some traditions that should stay around. So either keep racing at Elkhart Lake. Elkhart Lake. God Elkhart Lake. I can't talk. Or you Drug go, alert. yeah. Or you go back to Daytona uh, for Fourth of July weekend. Um, but they need to race on Father's Day. I would love to see it at Michigan. I, I'm kind of excited for the Michigan race this year, especially with this new package. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. California was amazing to see. I hope Michigan's just as good, if not better. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you were going to ask me my pick uh, just because I can read the paper. Um, listen, I love Daniel Suarez. I'm going to, I'm going to take him. He, ha- he has the Tootsie's Nashville car back to back. Yeah. Uh, he is, he has not been terrible in ovals. He has been very, very dominant. I think he's finally got that monkey off his back. I think a lot of that, sh- the stress and the, the anxiousness of like, okay, what's, what's going to go wrong? What's going to cost me a win now is finally gone. And so he's going to take his driving maybe up a level or, or at least be a lot more consistent and, and be able to stay in the top five confidence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think he's gonna have a great weekend this week. Um, I personally think with, with the 4th of July, I think that the Coke 600 should be that weekend. 
No, keep uh, that Memorial Day. I like I I like I really like going from Indy to Charlotte. Like that if they change that tradition, I'd probably be more upset than anything else that NASCAR could do. I just think that July 4th is more of a a bigger deal than Memorial Day. Just uh, because just just because that's my thoughts. But listen, we're gonna um, take you we're gonna take you next year. And like all the yeah. pre-race shit they do, and like to me, like if you did it on Fourth of July, it's like ah, eh, whatever. But I I, uh, I really like the Elkhart Lake race, and I think either that or Daytona. Those are your two options. You go anywhere else, and I hate it. I'm gonna go uh, pretty predictable here, and Chase Elliott. Saying, no, no, no. I want him to win, so I'm not gonna bet on him. Oh, I should have uh, picked him. I should have picked him just to piss you off. I think that. Um, pit road really caused a problem for both Chase Elliott and his teammate Kyle Larson last weekend. Mm-hmm. I think that Mr. H went into that debrief on Monday morning and told them that if it happens again, their job is gone, that they've got 50 other guys ready to fucking change a lug nut. Um, and that if they can't keep a tire on the <laughs> fucking a... car, that, that, that there's going to be problems. Um, I think that Kyle Larson gets it done without half his crew that he lost after losing a fucking tire. <laughs> There's a there's a pit crew school down the road. I'm gonna go there and then yeah. I'll, I'll get good at it. And I'll call Rick Hendrick up. And be like, hey, next time your guy there fucks you up, give me a call. Yeah, there you go. Get on Chase Elliott's team. You can get me uh, behind the pits tickets yeah, and go. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going with Kyle Larson. I think that he's it's not a bad thing. I, yeah. I think that he's really good at racing at tracks that they don't race all the time. Mm. And so like. Kyle Busch used to be my guy to pick in that instance because he picks up so much knowledge on a track with practice. I just don't think that they get enough practice anymore for him to be able to be my pick for this week. Yeah. Um, Which I, so, yeah. again, I also disagree with like the, the practice anyway. Oh, the practice. Yeah. No, no, no. I think for him personally, he needs the practice. That's how he gets yeah. in a leg. No, I, yeah. No, I, I'm just on, saying, on I, I the think, competition. Yeah. Yeah. I think they absolutely need. Not a twenty-minute session. They, I think, they need to go back to it at, at the very least. Have an hour session, mm-hmm. uh, or I would like to see like do an hour and then do like a half hour if you want, like right before yeah. qualifying or something. I, I just it don't understand. Them, it gives them the ability to do two different setups without eating up a bunch of their practice time, exactly. changing their fucking setups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that the hour setup, oh, the hour practice beforehand, gives them the ability to get their race setup down, and then they do a thirty-minute qualifying setup to try and figure that out because. Qualifying is not as important at most of the tracks. Right. Some of the tracks, pit selection definitely makes a difference. But yeah. um, we've seen that, that that didn't make that big of a difference over COVID because they were just doing based on points and stuff like that um, or the previous race, depending on what the, the stipulation was for the season. Um, do you have any more on Nashville, or would you like to move into the top five of the week? Um, I mean, this goes for SMI as a whole. Let fucking coolers into the track. Uh, it's supposed to be like over 100 degrees there this weekend. There's no coolers in, and then water's gonna be like ten dollars probably. And they said you can you can bring waters in, but you you can't have it in a cooler. That's dumb as hell. Um, you could just carry a case of water in. Yeah. Um, but I would, and and somebody talked about this one. I just saw it on Twitter. Not my own thought. I don't have a lot of those. So, um, but covered grandstands, I think, and I agree with this. Need to make a comeback. Uh, that or you need to make this. I think Nashville would be really cool as a night race. Like it used to be a night race when it was in the Bush series and the truck series, and it was really cool. I would love to see this this be a Saturday night race. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. But I think overall, you just need like cover grandstands. I, I think you need to make a 
back. But other than that, that's that's my two cents. Did you did you see Brunton Smith had died? Yeah, uh, R.I.P. to him. I mean, he's the reason we have you know Bristol and Charlotte and and a lot of these other tracks the way they are right now. Um, I mean, I remember growing up how much he cared about NASCAR and I mean, a lot of the innovation he led, even getting up there in age right before he like stepped away and let his son take over um, was, I mean, the only thing I hold against him is trying to make Kentucky as big as it was. If he would have just like, Hey, here's a new track. Let's go there. Fine. But he tried to make, he's like, Oh, this is going to be bigger than the Coke 600. Like, all right, buddy, let's pump the brakes. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I didn't meet him. Uh, he walked by me one time when my parents took me to Bristol. Um, I mean, when you're, you're a kid and you kind of understand who that is, like you, you understand how much larger, you know, in, in, in life he is. And, um, you know, very, very sad for that. And, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers to the Smith family. And, um, yeah, sad to see. Definitely sad to see. Um, definitely, definitely a, a very large, uh, visionary figure for track operations and everything that has to do with most of the tracks that they go to. Um, moving into our top five of the week, this week we're doing golf clubs in your bag, what proves to be the most important versus maybe middle of the pack because we're only doing five clubs. Uh, we'll start with you, George. What are your top five clubs in the bag? All right. I, I didn't understand. I did my top five favorite clubs. <laughs> Okay, same um, thing. We can go with that. Okay, That's fine. Okay. All right. Um, at number five, I have my putter. Listen, most days I'm going to throw my putter. Uh, so, okay, I, I did a hybrid of, like, what's important to me and what's my favorite. Uh, I'll put it that way. So, five is my putter. So, like I said, some days I'm going to throw that thing across the golf course. Um, like, oh, shit, what was his name? The guy at the U.S. Open did last weekend. I can't think of his oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. He broke a fucking club after. Mur too. Murray or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Grayson Murray. Grayson Murray. Grayson Murray. Murray, that's what it is. Yeah, he threw his putter on the one hole, and then, like, three holes later, he freaking snapped one yeah. over his knee. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, I needed to get the job. Done. Yeah, like, there's people out there. Like, I see TikTok videos all the time, like, putting with your seven iron. Listen, I can't do that. And I'm and I'm slowly getting better with puttering. At least I think so. I mean, we'll have to see. Um, number four is my sand wedge. And it's not because I'm in the sand a lot, which granted I, I do end up there quite often. Uh, I don't have the, the, the degree wedges. I literally have a pitching wedge and a sand wedge. I would love to upgrade to my, my degrees, but um, so I use the sand wedge nonstop around the green, uh, especially in slopes. And then obviously in sand too. Um, number three is my driver. Uh, I am getting better and better with my driver. I think if I get fitted for one, obviously I, I'll be on the tour, but um, <laughs> uh, I used to hate this club. I used to avoid it as much as I could, and I, I use it about as much as I can. Last time I went out golfing, there was a like, new one, though, right? No, you gave the old one to Nick, I thought. It's, so, yeah, it's, it's new yeah, to yeah. me, but it's not yeah, new. Yeah. It was $20 at a, at a pro shop. I walked in. I was getting ready to play golf. To yeah. I was getting ready to play golf, and I turned around. And I saw this driver sitting in the bin, like in a for sale bin. And I walked over. I was like, I asked him. I was like, "Oh, how much is this?" He goes, 20 bucks." I was like, "All right, <laughs> okay, no, there, cost less this. than my round. I'll take it." <laughs> um, but I'm I'm getting a lot better with my driver. Uh, and when I get a hold of it, I can hit it far enough to make me think that I can I can you know go play on the world world long drive championships. Um, but yeah, uh, number two, I have my nine iron, my favorite club to use on 
uh, par threes, unless it's a longer par three. Um, but I, my iron play overall has gotten a lot better if I just follow my swing routine. Um, and I love playing par threes. If I nine times out of 10 with my nine iron, I'll get it on the green. Um, it'll be, I'll be 40 feet from the pin still, but in four putt. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm on the green, so that's all I care about. Uh, my number one club is my five iron. Um, my favorite club and the club I use the most, um, anytime I'm 200 out, I, I don't care what the exact yardage is. I know in my head, more than likely, I'm going to duff it, chip or whatever. My, pull out my fire iron. That's my trusty club. Um, the club I use the most always gets me out of trouble. If I'm in the woods, I, I know I can pull out my five iron. I don't have to hit it towards the green. I can just chip out, but I know I'm going to do it reliably. It, it's just the club that gives me confidence to go do something. You're able to hit any distance. With yeah. Um, and I, I love using my five iron. I like it. I like it. So mine are kind of similar. It's just I hit about 20 yards less with every club. So um, I think number five, I would also take my putter. Um, I will three-putt it, but I'm going to use it the most because I three-putt it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll take putter number five. Number four, I like, uh, I like my seven iron just because it's it's nice. I I usually hit it and it feels like oh I hit that perfect. Yeah. Um, but like I said, everything I hit from basically pitching wedge up is twenty yards less than anyone I'm playing with at right. least at minimum. Once yeah. it gets a driver, it's like 50, 60 yards less. But um, yeah. So I I I'm I'm going with seven iron for number four. Number three, I really like my hybrid. I have a four hybrid. Um, usually able to hit it pretty straight. The distance can vary, but at least it's going straight and getting down there. Number two would be my three wood. I think that I hit my three wood better than I hit my driver. So I would like to use that more often. I just hit my driver because if I'm already starting out 40 yards less driver to driver with the person I'm playing with, I might as well play that than the three wood that's going to hit 60 yards less. Um, number one is my three iron and that's just because i think that if i had the money hi hannah um <laughs> <laughs> i just haven't looked up i was like oh hey there she goes um i have my three iron just because i think that like you had and... said with your five iron <laughs> i'm able to to hit that the, the best out of all my clubs yeah um if there was a two iron that i could afford and get i would do that just because i would just fucking break my driver like it, i can hit my irons pretty straight the mm -hmm. distance is a little little off. I have a little cheat sheet on my phone, uh, golf yardage, but um, yeah, I usually have to minus off about twenty club up a couple times. So yeah, I think my three iron is definitely my favorite, which makes sense because yours is your five iron. So if I had a two iron, it'd hit about the distance of your five iron. <laughs> oh, but uh, no, I. I'm waiting for you to get your July work schedule so we can figure out a time to go golfing, but same. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll try and make it out this weekend. And, and I was really, so last time we went out, I, I hit, like I, I told you, I used my driver on probably like 12 of the holes. Um, and I would say I hit the fairway on at least six of them or not, not, not necessarily the fairway, but I went, I didn't lose my drive on six of those holes. Right. 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 You, know, you were yeah. able to hit a nice second yeah. shot. So I was, I, I mean, I fucked up the second shot, but I was, I'm getting better. Like I said, I'm getting better. I'm very excited. I finally broke 110. I'm like, all right, let's just 
now I'm like, now I'm eager. pretty I'm amazing. Like, yeah. But now I'm like, I'm getting eager. I'm like, okay, I need to go break a hundred. And like, do you remember uh, the number that you started at? Like when you first started actually keeping score? I mean, there was times I was up in like one twenties. Like when I was like, when I counted my drops and I counted. Not really, so you were able to shave yeah. off 10. I mean, from it's, like it's, when you started counting like actual yeah. drops, everything like that to, to what your, your previous like, score was. It's been like three, four years. Maybe. Well, yeah, but still. Oh, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So hopefully it doesn't take me three or four years to lose 10 more, but we'll see. As, if I break 90, I think I'll be hit. Like, obviously, I'll, I'll continue to try and get better, but I don't think I'll be, like, as aggressive. Like, okay, like, let's, let's go get better today. Let's go get better. Like, I, I've been going to the ranges and, like, hunting around, like, stuff like that. Like, I am, like, I am determined to break 100. Like, do you like, secretly want to lose our golf league so that you have to go to the the qualifier? No, <laughs> no, I do not. No, absolutely not. No, I'll go there and I'll break that guy's record from this year. He shot like a what a one twelve. I'll go out there and shoot like a freaking one fifty. I don't, <laughs> especially because like I mean, granted, like like I said, like I count my drops and stuff, but I give myself three mulligans around. I, I everybody calls it, so I take yeah. a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner ball. Like. Yeah, that's the most I do. But like, if I go there, I don't get that shit. You're in between. Yeah, and I'm gonna end up in the woods and like all this other stuff. So no, I, that's gonna be a horrible round if I if I go there. But we'll see. If you're able to get out this weekend, what uh, two beers from the the bracket that we had drawn up there are you looking to try and test out your theory, or are you gonna go with water and try and like see if you can beat your 110? What what are your thoughts on that? If you if you're able to get out, um. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. I think I'm going to do the Bud Light and Miller Light Challenge. And do that <laughs> and just get it over with. Um, Is that your least favorite of the bracket? Yeah, I, I hate both. Like, I, I could tolerate Bud Light more than Miller Light. Miller Light just makes me super bloated. But Bud Light does the same thing, but it takes a couple more beers for that to happen. I'm only doing three of each, so hopefully I'll be fine. But um, oh, the, Yeah. Well, and she'll the, be there probably. <laughs> Uh, the, the one change I wanted to make to it. So I was thinking about this the other day. So we already had one seltzer and we, we did truly already. Right. And then I have Bud Light seltzers on there too. And I was like, I don't want to do two seltzers. Well, I was thinking, we were talking the other day. I was like, why did I not put Natty Light on there? Like, what the fuck? So I'm, I'm going to switch Bud Light seltzer for Natty Light. And that's going up it's against a great beer. Yeah. But I mean, they, they had, so I love Natter Days. Wait, wait, are you going to do Natty Light? Or are you going to do Natter Days? I might do Natter Days. Yeah. Or maybe I'll I have think to do would like. Be good. Maybe I'll have to do like a play-in game. I'll do Natter Days versus Natural Light. And then whoever wins that will play. Uh, we know what's going to win. It's going to be hot out. It's strawberry lemonade. <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they have a red, white, and blue one now. I want to go try that. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, they came out with a red, white, and blue one this year. Is that just for this some, like this holiday area? Or? No, it came out like a I, – I think it came out like late spring. Oh, okay. I, I say late spring like a – so – are late spring so like april yeah. i'm pretty sure may so yeah sounds good but that will do it for our show this week uh hopefully nick will be back but we'll see how that goes obviously with the baby uh things get complicated but again yeah, gradually... change life <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> nick 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 we're gonna have you on next week and you're gonna give us a how-to and change a diaper but uh congratulations again to him and jade we are very happy for them uh, and we will see you guys next week on the Once Weekly, Never Weekly podcast uh, from Jack Wagon Sports. 
uh, on the Jack Megan Network. Thank you guys so much, and we will catch you later. Thank you.